This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. From the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program. Featuring interesting guests from around the world. And calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Happy Monday to you. We've got the Iowa caucuses, and it looks like Donaldus Magnus, El Trompito, the 45th president of the United States, has uh, blown this thing out. Uh, multiple networks are projecting that Donald J. Trump has won the Iowa caucuses. It's uncertain how many delegates uh, he's going to wrap up here, but... It seems that he's in the lead pretty much everywhere. There was some early speculation that Trump might not uh, outperform Nikki Haley in some of the suburban counties in Iowa. As I'm looking at uh, some reports coming in, looks like that was also miscalculated and or misprojected, however you want to phrase it. And Trump is now um, beating Nikki Haley in those um, counties that they thought that she would carry. Either way, he's the projected winner. Um, by um, multiple networks thus far. I think Fox News has called it for him. Newsmax has called it for him. And he made some comments uh, to Fox News. We'll get into that in a little bit. It's also Martin Luther King Jr. Day, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I think today is the 95th anniversary of his birth. And uh, that's a pretty big deal. And and not just, you know, the fact that we're celebrating um, his birthday for the 95th time, but moreover, what King meant to America, the impact that he had on America and so many lives in so many ways. Uh, so I'll be getting into that as well. There's a couple of things I want to read about that uh, that I think you'll appreciate sharing. And I'm pretty sure there's some other news there, but those are the two uh, big stories that are on my radar. I hope everybody had a great weekend. I know I did. And uh, interesting uh, way to start the day. If you were off today for MLK Day, you know, good for you. Uh, if you were not off, Good for you. You're earning some cash doing what you do. But there's a piece by um, somebody we've had on as a guest, and we should probably bring him back on. Um, he wrote a book called uh, The Devil and Karl Marx. His name is Paul Kengor. 
and a really good piece that he wrote about the about the um, the left and their hatred of MLK. But last year, one of the guests I had on for Martin Luther King Jr. Day was um, Martin Luther King Jr.'s niece, Dr. Alveda King. And she um, uh, came on with us, and, and I thought we had an excellent conversation. If you ever want to check it out, visit our website, richvaldezamericatnight.com. But she, um, she wrote a, an op-ed, and I want to share a little bit uh, about it because I think it's, it's a good place to start this evening before we jump into the politics and then into uh, the culture and everything else that we're going to talk about tonight. But uh, she wrote this piece. Um, the title of it is MLK's Dream for 2024. Focus on the gospel, not on politics. And that's uh, Reverend Dr. Alveda King. And it goes like this. New Year 2024 begins with the observance of the annual Martin Luther King holiday. Let freedom ring, followed quickly by the annual March for Life. I believe if my uncle were here, he would remind us to learn to live together as brothers and sisters and not perish together as fools. As to the March for Life, I'm reminded of my uncle Martin Luther's words in his last Christmas sermon, saying, quote, when we value the human personality, we won't kill anybody. Human life and dignity matter from the womb to the tomb and beyond. The greatest gift that my parents and grandparents passed down to me is a legacy of faith, hope, love, and forgiveness connected to our family history that's marked by a commitment to service and compassion. While I would love to leave my children and grandchildren a, final, a financial legacy of untold riches, I know the most important gift that I can share with them is a true understanding of acceptance of God's will for their lives. One thing that's both tangible and intangible is that all gifts come with return tags. For instance, the week after a baby shower or Christmas, stores are bombarded with people particip participating in the long practice ritual of returning gifts that they don't want. Today, many of us whose families passed on greater gifts of legacies of morality and dignity are trading them in for beliefs that are counter to everything we were taught. I know deep within my soul that my parents and grandparents would be appalled if I traded their lessons of morality and dignity and swapped them for depraved, quote-unquote, gifts of honors, honors that belong to the world. And then she includes a Bible verse, Matthew 6, 31. And uh, she goes on. And, and wraps up saying, while 2024 will likely be turbulent and even frightening in some ways, fear not, repent, forgive, and look for open doors and windows of opportunity, even in the midst of storms. Continue to pray for those in authority. Vote responsibly and pray for God's grace, mercy, and righteousness to prevail throughout the year, everywhere. Happy New Year, friends. In the words of my grandfather, the Reverend Martin Luther King Sr., thank God for what we have left. God bless you in the days ahead. And that is uh, an op-ed by the Reverend Dr. Alveda King. She's a chair of America First Policy Institute Center for the American Dream. And she's um, the daughter of um, A.D. King, the, the brother of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And I thought those were inspirational words uh, from someone from the King family. 
uh, that we should never lose sight of. And I'll get a little bit more into this in the next hour because I think that's important. But I want to get into uh, the news of the day because right now we've got uh, President Trump who's going to be taking the stage sometime soon. And if we can get the live feed, we will plug into that so you can hear his uh, victory speech. And uh, I guess he's probably waiting for the others to give concession speeches, which they may not give since it's only a caucus. Um, and I don't know if he's really going to wait for them to do it, but I think that's the, the, the custom is for them to say, you know, came in second or we came in third and we're looking forward to whatever. And I think another big upset from tonight is that Nikki Haley, who was expected to by some to win and uh, by others to come in right behind Trump, came in third. And DeSantis came in second. And I know they had a, a hard fought uh, back and forth with uh, all of their trading of barbs, if you will, in uh, various debates that they had. So I, th- I thought that was interesting because I thought um, Governor DeSantis was going to come in third place as well. And I think this goes to show you that conservatism is alive and well, at least in Iowa. Right. It's definitely not um, for the for the uh, rhino hearted, if you will. <laughs> Right. Uh, I think Nikki Haley's message again, I think she's a fine woman. I think she's a very nice person. Uh, I've enjoyed my conversations with her, uh, limited conversations, but I've enjoyed them nonetheless. Uh, But I think people are are really looking for common sense, conservative solutions and unabashed leadership. People who aren't afraid to call woke woke people who aren't afraid to lift their friendship finger in the face of the establishment. And. I think they proved that tonight, at least thus far, with uh, I think it was before two percent of the votes were counted. They were already calling this thing for Donald Trump because of how many votes had come in because the Trump voters showed up very early. So um, kudos to them who braved the cold and made it out there. Uh, We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the Iowa caucuses scheduled to join us is a friend of the program and the pollster for the Trump campaign. John McLaughlin, don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. One, this is the people's victory. Despite every media, despite every lawsuit, despite every effort to destroy Trump, the people of Iowa have stood up and said, no, he is our candidate. Number two. He's the nominee. Get over it. He is the nominee. He's going to win the nomination. The news media doesn't want to say that because they they need to somehow hype. Please watch us while we go through this charade. There is no candidacy for number two. There is no number two. There are irrelevancies. You get to be the leading irrelevant or the second irrelevant or the third irrelevant. But nobody's going to be number two because he's going to dominate totally if you look at the country at large, where he's at like 62 or 64 percent approval. That is uh, former House Speaker Newt Gingrich giving some commentary on the Fox News channel, saying that he is the nominee. And this is, of course, in reference to uh, Donald J. Trump, El Trumpito, Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente. He um, has um, seems like he's handily won in a blowout the um, Iowa caucuses. 
it uh, from what I see, looks like he's really, really come in big. It's a historic win. And uh, I want to get to the bottom of that with uh, Trump pollster John McLaughlin, who's with us. John McLaughlin, welcome back, sir. Uh, great to be back, Rich. Thank you. Uh, I want to um, get into this. Now, I, I fully expected uh, a victory in Iowa. I, I think Trump is doing extraordinarily well, better than he's done in the past, from what I can see, uh, without looking at any numbers like you do. But um, I, I also thought that Nikki Haley would come in second place, and it seems like DeSantis is coming in second place. At least that's how it's shaping up thus far. Um, what are, what's your initial reaction to the Trump uh, victory that's projected in Iowa? Um, I mean, it's it's a it's a historic victory. It's a blowout there. I mean, when you look at past records in Iowa caucuses over the years, because they these are a different kind of this is not really a primary. This is a caucus where the voters get to know the candidates and turn out for them, et cetera. And, uh, you know, in the the record was in 1988, Dole won the caucuses by 12 percent. And uh, then in 2000, George W. Bush won by 11 percent, went on to win the presidency. And uh, this is well beyond that. And this is where you have a candidate. It's ironic. It's Martin Luther King's birthday, right, the holiday, where uh, years ago, you know, de- Democrats who were segregationists wanted to put the guy in jail. And today you got Joe Biden, who was friends with a lot of those guys like Robert Byrd, who's trying to put his leading political opponent, Donald Trump, in jail. So this is, you know, a resounding win. But you know what's new about it is people see it for what it is. In our last national poll right. in December, 69% of all voters said those indictments are politics, and 58% say Biden played a role. And, you know, we're winning nationally, and we're winning all the national polls, and we're winning the battleground states because Biden's a failed president. Inflation's out of control. The border's out of control. They're kicking kids out of schools in New York City to house migrants because they don't have any place to put them. Uh, but they're still keeping an open border. Crime's out of control in a lot of cities. And the world's on fire in terms of you, he, Biden's got wars in Ukraine and the Middle East and Israel that wouldn't have happened if Trump was president. And, uh, you know, tonight was the first step in a historic win for Donald Trump in basically beating Joe Biden. And that's why it's 20 below in Iowa. It's single digits. The wind chill yeah, is 20 below. And the, these voters came out in spite of that uh, to give Donald Trump a historic win because ultimately they know Donald Trump will beat Joe Biden. And Joe Biden knows that, which is why he's you know doing what, the legal persecution is, is outrageous. And when you look at you know, just the this, this Soros prosecutor in Fulton County who was coordinating with the, the Biden prosecutors and she, you said she had a boyfriend on the payroll, and the guy's married, and it's like, it's just <laughs> fancy trips it, on the public dime. I have European clients in democracies in Eastern Europe that said this is what the communists did in 1947, where they tried to put their opponents in jail, and this is something you know Vladimir Putin would do, and uh, you know Joe Biden is corrupt, and uh, you know he wants to rig all the. Uh, the rules so that there was no Democrat caucus in Iowa tonight. There's no uh, his, Joe Biden's ballot. And eight days from now, Joe Biden's name is not on the Democrat primary in New Hampshire because he's afraid of losing. And uh, the first time it'll be, it'll be in South Carolina. So, uh, you know, so right now, Nikki Haley's being held, held aloft in the polls where she's still losing to us. And she's losing to us by double digits in New Hampshire. But she's still being held aloft in the polls because independents can vote 
in the primaries in New Hampshire and the 44% who are independents, there's super PACs that are being funded by Biden donors trying to get Biden voters who are independents to vote in the Republican primary against Donald Trump. And that, you know, and, and when Republicans see that for what it is, you know, the independents who want, who want to get rid of Joe Biden, the Republicans who certainly want to get rid of Joe Biden, uh, will beat Nikki Haley. But it's going to be hard for it because they're, they're spending not not just millions. They're spending tens of millions of dollars in these small states. So it's it's a uh, it's a big deal. So uh, so we've got eight days to beat Nikki Haley in New Hampshire. Um, Ron DeSantis probably should, even though he's in second place, it's such a distant second place. He probably should think about, you know, going back to Florida and being a good governor and thinking about the future in 2028 and endorse Donald Trump, just like Marco Rubio's endorsed Donald Trump. And Tim Scott's now talking to President uh, Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina. Nikki's home state is talking about endorsing Donald Trump because Trump's ahead in South Carolina, two to one, in spite of the fact that, you know, uh, Charles Koch's American for Prosperity that supports the amnesty and free trade with China is spending millions of dollars already in TV ads in South Carolina and dropping mail in the early states. So, you know, these these D.C. establishment oligarchs and the Biden supporters that are funding this to the tune of tens of millions of dollars need to stop, uh, realize that Donald Trump's going to be the nominee, and let us let us have a have a general election debate with uh, Joe Biden and, and get on with the business of the country in terms of trying to fix the things that are wrong with the country. Now, John McLaughlin, I want to get down to to brass tacks here because you mentioned something, and I think you glossed over it, and I think it's worthy of uh, of delving in a little bit. You said that, I don't know, was it 1970 or 1980, whatever year it was, uh, where Bob Dole (laughs) uh, got 12% and nobody else has won Iowa with larger than 12%. Is that right? Uh, No, no one won by more than 12%. It was 1988 for Bob Dole. 88. And 88, 1988, he beat George H.W. Bush, who went on to win the nomination. And, uh, you know, that was the record, 12%. The numbers I'm looking at say something like 51%. Yeah, 51 to 21 is the current numbers. And uh, they're projecting, the New York Times is projecting 51 to 20. So (laughs) That's uh, crazy. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, And and, and the disparity, I mean, that's 30 points, right? 29 points. Yeah. This is a yeah. this is a massive, massive blowout, historic victory. Uh, I'm wondering if the news media is going to hone in on that and really talk about how, you know, um, how this is actually happening. And I know that there's some reaction. I, I saw a little bit of the folks on MSNBC and the scowls on their face. Mm-hmm. It reminded me mm-hmm. of election night in 2016, which was very gratifying for me personally. Uh, but uh, seeing some of their faces, um, uh, Maddow yeah. and the rest of them, it was just really interesting. Like they're like, "Oh my God, this is really happening!" And I thought it was just so funny. And it, it just it it underscores to me uh, how how much of a disparity there is between um, you know the 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 left and and the right. And I think the people in the middle really see all of it happening, and and they're slowly but surely gravitating rightward uh, because they they realize. The left is a sinking ship, and Trump seems to make the most sense. What do you think? Oh, I, I agree with you in that the left has gone so far left that they're on this progressive Marxist fringe that Trump is winning Hispanic voters 47-40. Well, you know, I want you to give me that breakdown on the other side of this break. Folks, we're on with John McLaughlin. 
And we're going to talk about how Trump did with uh, African-American voters. It seems like Biden's down. Last numbers I saw, I think he was down 21% with black voters. Folks, don't go anywhere. Trump pollster John McLaughlin is with us discussing the historic victory of Donald J. Trump in Iowa in the Iowa caucuses. I'm Rich Valdez. Don't go anywhere. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. And he's breaking it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back, familia. Welcome back, amigos. We continue our uh, special coverage of the Iowa caucuses tonight for the 2024 presidential primary election with the caucuses tonight uh, in Iowa. Uh, the weather was brutal. I'm talking about uh, from what I'm hearing from John McLaughlin, Trump, uh, Trump's uh, pollster, they're, they're talking about... 20 below in Iowa tonight. I know it was cold. And uh, I'm looking at an article here. Uh, Trump, DeSantis, and Haley, all leading Biden in a new poll from uh, CBS YouGov. John McLaughlin is our guest. He's the head of McLaughlin Associates, one of the uh, top polling firms in the country. Remarkably accurate. And he's working with the Trump team. He's with us tonight. Congratulations on your big victory tonight, John McLaughlin. Let's um, let's talk about this historic blowout election where Trump is coming in 29 or 30 points ahead of anybody else at 51 percent is being projected by The New York Times. And um, according to a conversation we had in the last segment, uh, the last person to to win this with the highest number was 12 percent back in 1988 with uh, Bob Dole. So truly a historic victory for President Trump in this reelection campaign. Let's talk about this poll. CBS uh, YouGov. Uh, they find that uh, former President Trump and, and even the rest of the crew, they're all beating Biden in a head-to-head matchup. What's your thought? Have you read that entire poll, all the questions? No, I'm looking at the the first question uh, that, right here, and uh, it, it's interesting, though. It's got Trump uh, beating everybody here. Yeah, well, Trump's beating everybody in it, but... It's different than the other polls because the other recent polls, like Rasmussen last week, had Trump beating Biden by eight points. Mm-hmm. But they had Nikki Haley losing by two. The difference in this poll is if you go to question 34 of their questionnaire, if Donald Trump wins in 24, do you think his policies in a second term will try to put the interests of white people over racial minorities or <laughs> racial minorities over white people? You then get a question on 36. If he wins the presidency, do you think he'll leave NATO? If Trump wins the presidency, do you want him to try to punish or shut down media companies or news organizations wow. that criticize him? 
And then there's a question, if Donald Trump wins the presidency, do you want him to get revenge against his political opponents by investigating bringing criminal charges against his political opponents? And if Trump wins the presidency, which should be his general approach to the workers and employees of federal bureaus and agencies, remove them or keep the employees? It's basically a push poll against Trump. That right. if you there were no negative questions about DeSantis, no negative questions about Haley, no real negative questions about Biden, and if they have that at the end, some Trump voters will drop off. So, so the media bias is just starting in these polls again because the reason they want to show this is that he, they wanted to manufacture a result where Haley's better than Trump because since December fourteenth. Trump is winning in the Harvard-Harris poll, and Haley's losing by two. They have a Yahoo News poll. Trump is winning at uh, the end of December, and Nikki Haley's losing by three. They have a, a YouGov economist poll that Trump is even with Biden, which means an electoral win, but Haley's down five. And then you have the Rasmussen poll last week where Rasmussen reports Trump's up eight, and Nikki Haley's losing by two. Nikki Haley's whole premise of her campaign was she could win and Trump couldn't. Well, you know what? It's not true. And if right. the media continues to manufacture fake polls like this, they're just going to anger Republicans and we're going to trounce her in every primary that we can. You know what's interesting, John McLaughlin, is that even though it's a manufactured poll, it's incredibly biased with the questions that you pointed out. It still has Trump winning, <laughs> which, which is remarkable to me. They're trying to get him and they can't. Now, I want to circle back to something you said, because you mentioned um, – uh, that first question, number 36, the the um, the way it said about uh, racial minorities. And uh, in the last segment, we left off talking about how Trump is gaining with uh, ethnic minorities like Hispanics, uh, African-Americans. And and we're seeing um, Biden losing ground there. Let's talk about that. Yeah, well, our national poll at the end of right before Christmas, we had a, our last national poll was the end of December. And uh, we've been saying that the Obama coalition for Joe Biden is being busted up. And uh, in that poll, Trump was getting 26% of the black vote, which is amazing because we got eight the first time in 16. We got uh, 12 in 2020. 26 is the end of the Democrat Party. And uh, we're winning Hispanics 47-40. And we got, we improved from 28 to 34 in 2020. So winning the Hispanic vote would be huge. And uh, we're doing better. With, we're winning with young voters. We're winning with uh, we're gaining with the suburban independent women, and we're winning independent. So Joe Biden's losing to us in our last national poll, forty-seven forty-four. He's losing in the real clear politics average of media polls. He's losing in all the battleground state polls that have come out recently. So uh, you know, as, so you've got a president who's a failed president with policies not working because inflation. They tell you it's going down. But the prices haven't gone back to where they were when Donald Trump was president. Right. Under Trump, you had a growing economy with uh, no inflation. And you had a world that was not really safe, but it, there was no wars like we saw. He'd beaten ISIS. Russia wouldn't go into Ukraine for the four years president was, Trump was president. Iran was going broke and being held at bay. Now you got wars you know, in the Middle East. Iran's going crazy. They're shooting it at, at, with their surrogates and our ships at will. Um, you've got uh, uh, Putin well into Ukraine and grinding it out, and Biden can't stop him. And uh, you've got, you know, an open border, and God knows who's coming into the country. You've got crime is up in the cities, and it's not going back down to where it was before COVID. And uh, Joe Biden is a failing president. And, you know, the voters, 
the, the voters are angry, but they're channeling that anger into voting for Donald Trump, and we're ahead in the polls. And you know, it's so it's such that we're so far ahead that Joe Biden's indicted us four times, and he's got you know uh, the, the, the Attorney General in New York trying to confiscate Trump's wealth. You've got uh, his people trying to knock us off the ballot with unconstitutional challenges. And uh, now they're funding Nikki Haley's campaign, guys like Reid Hoffman, who owns LinkedIn, or who are known Biden donors, and super PACs being funded by Biden donors to try to stop Trump in New Hampshire. And we're intent on beating them. We have eight days to beat them in New Hampshire. And then, you know, if they want to stay in longer, we'll, we'll beat Nikki Haley in South Carolina, and we'll win Super Tuesday, and we'll close this out. So we'll have the nomination. We'll take it to Joe Biden. You know, John McLaughlin, I, I hear what you're saying, and I think you're right on track. And uh, when you were talking about uh, the minority voters and, and potentially if, if they lose more of the African-American vote, how it's the, the ultimate demise of the Democrat Party, because that's uh, the majority of their base, uh, or at least a big uh, stronghold in their base. And something that I thought was interesting was <clears throat> a couple of weeks back, um, we were both on Newsmax, and there was a clip of audio that they, they played of um, a man on the street interview. And I've played it before on this program where... Um, they're just basically asking people in the Bronx, New York, um, who do you think? What do you think? What's going on? Right. And, and every last person that they speak with, um, random people, uh, you know, black people, Hispanic people uh, are telling them Biden's the worst. I'll bring back Trump. We need Trump. I'm spending so much money on my groceries. Right? It was just really, really um, quite, quite um, eye opening. I'd not seen something like this in 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 recent years. Right. Um I just I can't remember the last time I've seen something like that. But it was remarkable to me to see that. And it seems like the polls are now catching up to what we're seeing anecdotally on the streets. Yep. Yep. And by the way, you're from the Bronx, right? But my, my dad is from the Bronx. My mom's from Brooklyn. Oh, Jesus. You're getting up, upper scale. The best oh, well. of both worlds, huh? <laughs> I was a, I went to grammar school in the Bronx. Then went back there to college. So uh, uh, so it doesn't surprise me. I mean, those of us who I live near New York City and I, I go into the Bronx all the time, see friends and relatives. And uh, when my sons were growing up, we went and played city leagues in there. Uh, and you know where they were interviewing those people, where Kara Castronova was interviewing those people on Fordham yeah. Road. I mean, those are real people, and they really right. mean it. And you could go outside Yankee Stadium. You could go down to Roberto Clemente State Park, and you'll get these Hispanic and African-American voters who've just had it because, you know, the crime. They don't want crime in their neighborhoods, and they want school choice. They're, I mean, their kids were during COVID were not in the schools, and there's no school choice in New York because – You'll send, you know, they're afraid they'll send their kids to Catholic school. So, uh, you know, the teachers union doesn't like that. But, you know, th those voters have had it. And uh, Donald Trump's a way that they can cast the protest vote and really register for change. And, like, Trump did better in the South Bronx in 2020 than he did in 2016. And uh, it's typical of what's going on in cities around the country where, uh, you know, voters have been taken for granted by the Democrat Party. And, uh, are, are suffering, uh, they've had it because what used to be 200 bucks to go get your weekly groceries for the kids is now $400. That's a lot of money for working families. So uh, When you double your cost on food, um, yeah. you, you're losing money somewhere else, right? It's not like you're getting paid double by your boss because you're, getting, you're paying double for food. Now, let me ask you, uh, John McLaughlin, uh, pollster to President Trump, head of McLaughlin Associates, what 
uh, is the likelihood of this New York Post article that came out shortly after this report that we were talking about saying that there may be a rally for Trump in the Bronx? Uh, that they're definitely seriously looking into it. I mean, it's absolutely true. And, uh, you know, where, it, where they actually have it and whether we rent Yankee Stadium uh, or not, uh, that's, that's up for grabs right now. But, uh, but the campaign is seriously looking at it. And Donald Trump himself, he saw a Siena poll where, you know, the, I mean, New Yorkers are seeing Letitia James, the attorney general, trying to confiscate his wealth. And, <laughs> you know, he paid all the loans back. Banks made money. Uh, he's a successful businessman, and people look at her. And she's a hack, and she's a corrupt hack. And uh, crime is out of control in New York, and she's doing nothing about it. So Trump in a Siena poll was in single digits of Biden. So you know Trump's looking at it. Let's put New York State in play. Let's let's win the suburbs. Let's win upstate, and let's take a lot of votes in New York City because Lee Zeldin. Got 30% of the vote in New York City. If he'd gotten 33, we we, Zeldin would have been governor. So Trump's not far from that. And, uh, you know, so they're serious because he'll, he'll do that. He'll do that just like Ronald Reagan did it back the last time a Republican won in, in New York was Reagan in 84. He'll do that and we'll put New York in play. And, you know, Joe Biden will have to spend time and resources coming to New York. Good. Now, John McLaughlin, I have one more question for you, but we're out of time in this segment. Can you stick around for a segment or do you got to get back to doing what you're doing? Um, I'm just I'm in the office counting numbers, so I'll, I'll wait. <laughs> all right. All right. So we're going to put you on hold. You get to hear the commercials for a second. We'll come back and I, I want to get your your take on how things are going to break down in New Hampshire and then subsequently in South Carolina. Folks, we're on with John McLaughlin pollster to President Trump talking about the historic blowout victory in the Iowa caucuses tonight. And we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Latino. America at night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, we're bringing you some live coverage and uh, reaction and analysis of the historic win of the Iowa caucuses. Our guest is the pollster for uh, the Trump campaign, John McLaughlin. And John, I have one question for you, but before I get to that, somebody has a call. We've got Marcel from WFAS in New York. He's listening uh, uh, live, and he had a question. Let's go to Marcel real quick. Marcel, you're on with John McLaughlin and Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Good evening, John and Rich. Good to see you. Happy New Year, both. Thank you. Um, this is from The Hill, and shows that ABC and Ipsos, only one-third of our adults here in our country said they approve of President Biden's job performance, but a record low for his presidency and for any president in the last 15 years conducted by January 4th through the 8th, only 33% of those surveyed they have approved of Biden, a drop from the previous poll in September of last year, while 37% of Americans approve of his performance. His disapproval rating is going to be not 56 up, but 58% in September. This is going to be exactly what they did. 37% last year approved. 33% 
January of this year approved. 56% disapproved, but 58% same thing. Thank you, Marcel. We can't get into all of those details, but I get the point. Biden's not doing great here. John McLaughlin, what say you? Um, It's, you know, President Trump over a year ago, we were in a close race where in January, we're in a multi-candidate field. We were 42, DeSantis was 31, everybody else single digits. And Trump was beating DeSantis 52-40. But we didn't want to run to beat DeSantis. We wanted to run Uh to beat Biden. And it's interesting, Donald though, Trump, today's numbers are 51 20. Uh, against Biden? Oh, no, against DeSantis. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, yeah, but that's the Iowa caucus. And nationally, yeah. we're over 60%, where DeSantis mm-hmm. is like 12 or 11. But the, uh, um, so it's going to get worse for them as they go forward. But the, uh, uh, but what your caller was getting into is Donald Trump wants to beat Joe Biden. And Donald Trump. Uh, I was fortunate to have done a poll for him and meet with him in February of uh, of 2021. And it wasn't a pleasant time because impeachment was going on. But two-thirds of the Republican voters wanted Trump to run again. And, uh, they, you know, there was an apprehension about Biden's policies, that Biden's policies would fail. And I told President Trump, I said, this is a lot like Reagan in 76, where in 76, Reagan didn't win the nomination. It was close. But there was a lot of buyer's remorse that he wasn't our nominee. And after four years of failure with Jimmy Carter, Reagan won the landslide. Well, I said to him, just, you know, uh, take a look at Biden's policies. And as they fail and he he gets rid of your policies and tries to, you know, take us in a different direction, he's going to fail. And when he fails, there'll be buyer's remorse that the voters want you back. And President Trump took that strategy to heart. And and because he's that's what's bothering him is that. As Biden, you know, repeals Trump's policies and weakens the economy and weakens the national defense and opens the borders, he's taking our country in a bad direction. And, uh, you know, so that's why he's running again, to put us back in the right place. He loves the country. He loves Americans. And he wants us to be strong and secure again. So uh, so now you've seen all these polls where he's being Joe Biden. Joe Biden has failed. How does it look for for uh, New Hampshire? New Hampshire right now, if you look at the polls on the Real Clear Politics website, um, you know, Trump's leading by 10 to 15 points. Uh, there's a lot of it. That primary is different because Iowa, you have to be a Republican to show up at the caucus. In New Hampshire, 44 percent of all voters are independents and 28 percent are independent or Democrats, 28 percent are Republicans. If you're a Republican, you have to vote in the Republican primary. If you're an independent, you can choose a Democrat or a Republican ballot. The Biden people are pushing, uh, you know, Democrats, not Democrats, but independents who like Biden and who are behavioral Democrats to pick Republican ballots and come in and vote for Haley because they know they can beat Nikki Haley. Mm. So, uh, so right chicanery. Now, the, yeah. So, the, so they're trying to invade and hijack our primary. But on the other hand, among Republicans, Donald Trump's winning two to one, three to one against Haley. He's trailing yes. among the independents because of that uh, that shift, um, he's trailing by 10 points and, uh, you know, but that 10 points, that means, so on the real clear politics average, you know, in, in New Hampshire, um, we're down like, I'm not down. We're up by like 44 to 29 and Christie's now dropped out. Um, so So those votes are going to go somewhere. John, we're going to have to leave it there because I'm out of time on my end. 
Let everybody know how they could uh, check out the work that you're doing for the president and the rest of the surveys you do. Well, a lot of it's not published, but you could go to our website at mclaughlinonline.com. We do publish a monthly survey. And you could also follow follow me on Twitter, on X, on uh, J, at JMCLGHLN. And it's the same on uh, True Social. Okay? Outstanding. John McLaughlin, you're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Congrats on the big win tonight. Tell the boss we congratulate him. And I uh, look forward to speaking with you again soon. Oh, the boss won it. We just take polls. <laughs> Thank you. Sounds good, brother. Your listeners, as long as they keep voting, we can turn things around. That's the key thing. Americans want want to do the right thing. So, Amen. Thank you. John McLaughlin, everybody, head of McLaughlin Associates. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. President Trump has taken the microphone and he's now addressing the crowd. So tall, we only ate her food. <laughs> and I want to thank my family generally. Uh, they've worked so hard and they've taken so much abuse for being. We'll good go people. to more on good. President Trump when we return. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. the city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Your liberty-loving Latino amigo, happy to be here with you this Monday evening. If you want to join the conversation, the phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And, of course, it's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We're celebrating the life and legacy of the Reverend MLK, and uh, it's also the Iowa caucuses, and there was a historic victory by President Trump. I think back in 1988, the highest percentage gained was uh, by Bob Dole uh, as part of the conversation we just had in the first hour of the program. And uh, today that was blown away with 51% by uh, Donald Trump, who I call Donaldus Magnus, el trompito, el presidente, the 45th president of the United States. And uh, President Trump has taken to the microphone. He is giving uh, some words of thanks to his friends and his family. We're going to check in with him right now. What a turnout, what a crowd. And I really think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing. It's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, Jim. It's going to happen soon. I want to thank uh, some of the 
great people. We have so many senators, and I go through every name will be a roommate, and everybody's going to get angry at me. <laughs> but the senators, the congressmen from Washington, they came down from all different states. I want to thank you very much. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a, good, a good time together. We're all having a good time together. I think they both actually did very well. I really do. I think they both did very well. We don't even know what the outcome of second place is. And uh, I see Gary Lake. Congratulations, Gary. I spotted her after her announced because she's terrific. Be a senator, a great senator, I predict, right? Going to be a great senator. And uh, I also want to congratulate Vivek because he did a hell of a job. He came from zero and he's uh, got a big percent probably eight percent almost eight percent and that's a an amazing job they all did they're all very smart there we have uh, president people. trump thanking uh, the uh, his rival candidates um, doing it both, uh, I think, in a nice way. He's very classy about it. It's also a little bit funny. Thanking his family. He's there flanked by his family and uh, the first lady. And um, kudos to the Trump team and on a big victory, big, big win tonight, historic win. And he talked about bringing the country together. And I thought that was interesting because there's so much division in, in the rhetoric that we hear all over the place. And I was looking at a piece earlier in the American Spectator, and it's titled The Martin Luther King Jr. That Liberals Hate. Subtitle, King believed a religious person must obey, must disobey unjust laws. The left just wants them punished. And it's by Professor Paul Kengor. And uh, he goes into a few things, saying uh, the date was September 1st, 2015, a Tuesday. It was an unusual day at the Rowan County Courthouse in Kentucky, where... County Clerk Kim Davis arrived shortly before 7 a.m. Awaiting uh, the clerk were dozens of reporters and a few lawyers. The media was hoping for fireworks. And, of course, they're talking about this case where the, um, the Kim Davis came under fire for her own religious liberty, right? And as soon as the office opened, two women, April Miller and Karen Roberts, both friends of Davis, who were in the process of suing Davis, led the way to the counter to ask for a marriage license. Also present were two men, David Moore and some other guy. Blah, yada, 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 right? And it goes on. The whole thing was surreal, unimaginable. She had refused to give same-sex marriage certificates. Obviously a a Judeo-Christian tradition. For Christians like Kim Davis, it contravened the scriptural teaching about marriage being about a man, between a man and a woman, leave their parents and become one flesh. Back when I was in church, it said cleave <laughs> to become one flesh. Leave and cleave. Anyway, the very words of Jesus Christ invoking the book of Genesis um, referenced Genesis 2.24. And ultimately, this became a long, drawn-out uh, battle that went to the Supreme Court, the federal government, versus um, the Supreme Court's 5-4 ruling, and um, via, excuse me, the 5-4 ruling. And that's uh, it, it, you know, declared null and void 50 state marriage laws. In one fell swoop, high court's liberal justices led by a swing vote, Justice Anthony Kennedy. And, and there we have it. And, and I bring that up because Trump is talking about unifying the nation. Ken Gore is talking about the legacy of Martin Luther King and how he was talking about uh, the same thing, right? Unity, uh, content of character, not the color of one's skin. But today... We, we seem to have a party that's um, 
focused on trying to bring the country together and do the right thing and another party that's trying to divide everybody into groups. And, and I couldn't help but think of a, a viral video, uh, I think it was last year, that uh, a pastor showed up at a school board meeting. And he really just laid the smack down on this school board because of the pornographic material that was in the books because of so much. And uh, recently I was at a dinner, a Turning Point USA dinner uh, in uh, West Palm, in West Palm Beach at Trump's place, Mar-a-Lago. And um, I didn't get to meet the pastor, but I know he was there because they shouted him out. And, uh, and I remembered that story. And I thought, we got to get him on the show because uh, I want to talk about, A, that story and his thoughts on things. And he's got a brand new book called Erased. And I'm talking about no one other than Pastor John Amanchuku. He's a staff pastor at the Upper Room Church of God in Christ. And he's uh, been very critical, right? Very critical of critical race theory and abortion and things of that nature. And uh, I want to have a conversation with him about the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King and how so many on the left, in the name of racial equity, in the name of racial justice, are undoing the progress made by MLK. Pastor John Amanchukwu, welcome to the program, sir. Rich, thank you so much for sharing your vast platform with little old me. Oh, it's my honor. It's my pleasure. Thank you, sir. And and uh, I really, uh, congratulations to you on everything that you're doing. Um, it, it's uh, You're a voice that's needed, in my opinion, and we need a lot more like you. So let's, let's dig in. I mean, obviously, today is Martin Luther King Day. <clears throat> I think it's the 95th anniversary of his birthday. And I, I think about, um, you know, being a kid. I'm 45 years old. And I remember being a kid and, and being taught of what a hero Martin Luther King was, right? Get, dressed in red, white, and blue uh, every Friday in a public school in Brooklyn, New York. I would go and we'd pledge allegiance to the flag. We'd learn about Martin Luther King and what a hero he was, how he changed the landscape of, of, of racial uh, equality in America. And here I am today with my children. They're 18 and 22 now. And, and I think about, you know, thank God they, they, they know the truth. But I wonder if they were just a little bit younger. They might not know the truth. They might be stuck with these books. They might still be in public school. And, and there's so many kids that are facing that. And that's going to be their reality when they grow up. But for concerned parents that show up at school board meetings, but for uh, folks like yourself that, 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 that care, that care enough to go and, and tell the truth. Right. And, and I think it's so important, but I know it doesn't happen as often as it should. So let, let's talk about that a little bit, because I feel like King's legacy is being undone. And and I don't know what we can do to stop it. Well, you know, the thing that we can do to stop it is the thing that many pastors have failed to do. And that speak truth, regardless of the pushback regardless of potentially losing members in your congregation, regardless of being castigated and bludgeoned by your congregation, pastors, first and foremost, must preach truth. Um, I have a saying where I believe that many black pastors have relinquished the cross, but they hold on to the donkey. Oh, snap. And... The problem is we have too much donkey preaching, too much liberal preaching. The Bible is more current than tomorrow's newspaper. Mm-hmm. It answers every question for society. You know, it was also once said that truth is treason 
in an empire of lies. And so when you preach, teach, discuss, or talk about the uncomfortable truths of society, people are not going to be pleased with you. I agree with President Trump, and I'm happy, I am very happy that he won tonight. Um, I believe we need to unite America. But uniting America is not uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. United America is not support for BLM. Uniting America is not critical race theory, labeling whites as inherently racist and painting blacks as victims. That's not where unity comes from. Unity comes from, first and foremost, from the scriptures and understanding how God, according to Acts 16.26, it says, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and have determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. And then Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We must talk about oneness and uniting America under one banner. I support President Trump because he has a America first um, platform. Mm-hmm. He's not. He doesn't have a globalist agenda. He has a America First platform, a structure that's bettering our country with the attempt to secure our borders and to secure our freedoms in our country, to keep fentanyl from coming over the border into our country, to provide school choice, to keep the nuclear family intact to reduce inflation and unnecessary spending. These are the things that are necessary to a healthy society and a healthy economy. And what I've done, Rich, is traveled now to Mm. 10 states. I've been to Virginia, North Carolina, New Jersey, California, Nevada, Florida, Louisiana, Colorado, Idaho, and Pennsylvania, speaking out at school board meetings. I am regarded by the left as being the lip, um, as being the book banning pastor, that's my title <laughs> Good by for the you. liberal media, and I, and I wear it with a badge of honor. Um, I have amassed over three hundred million views speaking out at school boards around the country. I'm prepared to go to at least twenty school boards this year. Why? Because I believe that our children are under attack. Our children are being lied to. Um, The same thing that happened in Hitler's Germany, where Hitler sought to take up all the books and to reteach Germany to keep to keep them and to make them subservient to the Fuhrer. The same thing is happening in America. We see the redefining of terms and words. There's a drag queen available at, at, at schools around the country to read to our kids. We found ways to um, make whites feel uncomfortable because of their pigmentation and to celebrate blackness and worship it as a God. These things are turning our country in the wrong direction. And that's not what Dr. King hoped for. He wanted us to be judged by our character and not by the color of our skin. Amen to that. 
Uh, folks, we're on with uh, Pastor John Emanchuku. And uh, if you missed it and uh, uh, in the intro to the segment, uh, he's he's been speaking out at school board meetings. And I caught one of the videos uh, probably about a year ago of him speaking out and dropping so much knowledge and truth on these school board members. They didn't know what to do. Right. There was this guy, this tall black man that was just spit knowledge saying you're, you're the racist. <laughs> and it was just it was really, uh, really well said. My paraphrase doesn't do it justice. Uh, but Pastor John is with us, and we're going to continue with him straight ahead, uh, not only discussing the uh, legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, but we're going to talk about these issues, these issues that are very important in society today. He talked about how uh, children are under attack, and uh, he talks about that in his book, Erased, Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. I always recommend getting two copies, one for yourself, one to give away to somebody who could benefit from it. So make sure you check out the book and buy a copy. And we're going to continue our conversation with Pastor John Amanchuku straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Uh, by the way, your ratings are up. Congratulations. I had somebody. It's always nice to check. I like to see, <laughs> even if they're friends, I like to see how are they doing? Are people listening, right? That's but right. You're, you're doing great. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, familia. Welcome back, amigos. Rich Valdez with you. And we're having a conversation with Pastor John Amanchuku. He is a staff pastor at the Upper Room Church of God in Christ. He's the author of a book called Erased, Uncovering the Lies of Critical Race Theory and Abortion. He's also a contributor with Turning Point USA. And the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King believed that a religious person has a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. And I don't know if it's a stretch, but I would say it's an unjust law for school boards to do what they're doing to children today. It's an unjust law for corporations to uh, require people to to become racists, right? To become anti-white racists by teaching uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, and uh, other critical race theory-based uh, um, ideas that just don't jibe with reality. And some could say that's a fundamental difference of opinion. I would say that it's just right versus wrong. Pastor John Amanchuku, welcome back. I want to get your take on on what Martin Luther King believed about a religious person having a moral responsibility to disobey unjust laws. What say you? I agree with that. You know, Romans 13 lets us know that the powers that be are, are ordained by God, but we also must practice peaceful civil disobedience. Uh, Rich, I'll be the first to tell you that I've had to do that in several states around the country. Hmm. In Florida, I went there and spoke at a school board meeting. And while I was speaking, the board chair cut me off. And I kept reading from a pornographic book that was made available to children in the school district. And she cut me off again. And I kept reading and she said, you know what? That's three times. Take away his microphone. And so a gentleman walks up and he removes my microphone from, from me, and I continue to speak, and then she tells uh, the sheriff to come and remove me from the school board meeting. And so I am seeing myself where there are moments where, yes, we abide by the law, 
You know, I'm a law-abiding citizen. Right. I don't support the tactics of Jim, of, of BLM and the anarchy that they created in 2020, burning down cities, you know, looting stores and robbing furniture stores and burning down pharmacies. I don't support that. But I do believe that in cases where when I go to a school board meeting and I've been allotted three minutes to speak, I should have a right to speak and to share my voice and to speak up for children. Amen to that. I want you to keep speaking with us. I know you're scheduled for two segments, and I'm hoping you can stick around, Pastor John. I got to take a quick pause right here. Folks, we're on with Pastor John Emma and Chupu, and hopefully we're coming right back with him if he can be with us. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. to be on your show, Rich. It's just an amazing broadcast that I hope the rest of America listens to every day. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're wrapping up our conversation with Pastor John Emanchukwu. And Pastor John, there was um, a woman, her name is Stacy Robastelli. She's a director of something called High Tops. It's a nonprofit that dedicates themselves to um, going into public schools and teaching about queer theory and gender ideology. And um, she, she was on, on social media over the summer um, bragging about how, how good they're doing, kind of like a pastor bragging at the end of a sermon uh, and an altar call saying, you know, we've won so many souls to Christ. This woman was doing the same <laughs> thing about people coming out uh, to an LGBTQ identity. Listen to this. The most critical time to be there is grades five through eight because you want to catch kids when they're starting puberty because that's the time in which identity formation is central to their lives. However, early intervention is key. So we actually are designing a kindergarten through grade two curriculum this summer. And I will tell you, one of the most rewarding experiences, Nikki, uh, we were in a local school system in an elementary school and uh, we were in grades three, four, and five. And after we were there, um, five students went to the principal's office and came out. So we are really intentionally going into younger and younger grades. Well, there you have it. Nobody's lying. She's telling the truth. It's, it's exactly what our fear is, and she's confirming it. Pastor John, in the next minute and a half that we have together, let, let me know. What's your reaction to that? I call it mental rape, Rich. I call, some call it grooming, some call it in, indoctrination, but I call it mental rape because it assaults the soul, it stains the brain, and it robs children of their innocence. What is the benefit of talking about homosexual sex and heterosexual sex, oral sex, and all kinds of lewd sex acts to children grades of uh, kindergarten to 12th grade, what is the academic benefit of that? There isn't any. Is that going to help them on the SAT when they take that test? No. Is it going to help them when they take the ACT test? No. Is it going to help American students compete with other nations and countries? No, it's not. The intent is to rob kids of their innocence 
and to normalize what is called MAPS, minor attracted persons, okay? We live in a society today where there is a strong push gradually to say that if, you know, since love is love, since we believe that lie, because, and you know, I don't believe that love is love. I believe that God defines the boundaries of what is love. But there are people who believe that since a person loves an individual, they should be able to be with them regardless of their age, which brings in pedophilia. And pedophilia leads to human trafficking. And so for every individual who campaigns in this country, who supports liberal policies that props up pornographic material in our schools, ultimately they are supporting the human trafficking cartel. Wow. Pastor John, I I thank you for those words, hard-cutting mental rape. Uh, I don't think I'd heard that before, and I think it's it's a really good way to put it because that's really what it is. And um, and if if uh, there wasn't an FCC, we could probably put it even stronger. (laughs) But that's that's a really safe way to put it. And and, uh, I thank you for your time. And you know, while you're saying what you were saying, I was thinking to myself, you know, we're talking about the legacy of uh, the Reverend Doctor Martin Luther King. And I really wonder what Reverend King would say today in a time like like this where we're, we're talking about these things like maps, minor attracted persons, that there is even such a thing. And it just shows me how far away from uh, the standard of the beloved community that King spoke so eloquently of, uh, how far we've fallen from that. Uh, I want to thank you for being with us tonight. I really appreciate your time. And uh, let everybody know how they could follow you and keep up to speed with everything you're doing. Yes, I'm leading a national campaign in 2024 this year to go to 20 school board meetings if you would like to support my efforts go to erasedbook.com that's e-r-a-c-e-d book.com and you can follow me on social media at rev truth that's r-e-v-w-u truth follow me there on instagram on x and on youtube thank you so much for your support you bet it. Folks, make sure you go and you buy a few books and support the cause. Erased, and that's erased with a C because he's talking about race and racism. Erasedbook.com. Uh, Reverend John Amanchuku, thank you for uh, discussing the dream of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. I appreciate you, sir. Thank you, Rich. Thank you so much for having me on. Godspeed. Folks, we're coming right back. More analysis on the uh, Iowa caucus, on these individual campaigns, first, second, third, fourth place, and everything else that's going on. Plus, we continue our discussion on the future of America and the dream of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. As I've said since the beginning, there are two America First candidates in this race. And earlier tonight, I called Donald Trump to tell him that I congratulated him on his victory. And now going forward, he will have my full endorsement for the presidency. And I think we're going to do the right thing for this country. That is Vivek Ramaswamy suspending his campaign for president, coming in fourth place, getting, I think, 8% of the vote. And 
uh, putting all of his support behind Donaldus Magnus El Trompito, uh, the 45th president of this of these United States, uh, who uh, is the winner of the Iowa caucuses. Um, looks like he's he's going to really, really uh, sweep this thing. Uh, it looks like a blowout so far, and we are unsure of how many delegates uh, are he's going to end up with thus far. Uh, I mean, at the end of it, but thus far, last I saw there were 16. I'm sure there's more by now. And I want to talk about this with somebody who I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Uh, he is a radio host I listen to plenty of times and uh, decided to stop being a radio. Imagine that somebody stopping a career in radio, a syndicated uh, show and saying, you know what? I care about my country so much. I'm going to run for president. And this person was in the race for president, doing what Ramaswamy was doing, doing what Trump is doing, you know, a heavy lift to save this country. That's none other than the author of As California Goes, excuse me, As Goes California, My Mission to Rescue the Golden State and Save the Nation, Larry Elder, Eldorado, Elderske. Welcome to the program. <laughs> Rich, thank you so much for that introduction. And don't forget, I also stopped my radio career to run for governor of California in 2021, oh, yeah. where I got three, three and a half million votes. Yeah, that, that was huge. That, I remember that. That was really huge. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and I, ho- I hope that you, you do that again, honestly. Um, or I hope you get back on radio <laughs> because well, it was fun listening to you. Even though I think you, you cut into my time slot a little bit. I, um, I used to listen to you around 9 o'clock Eastern time uh, on the Salem affiliate in my area, coming home from right. uh, doing uh, production work on the Levin Show. And uh, I, I always uh, really enjoyed your program. But you, you heard Vivek Ramaswamy. He's bailed out. Uh, this is a process you've been through as well. What's your reaction to Vivek Ramaswamy putting his um, support behind Trump? Well, Rich, as far as my running again, my my reaction is, hey, you first. <laughs> it's, it's a tough, tough, tough thing to do. It is grueling. Uh, you don't get any sleep. Uh, you're right. doing three or four events a, a day. And every time you walk into the door, they expect you to be vibrant and energetic because they are. Right. Uh, you're on the phone raising money. You're giving an interview, print, radio, TV. It is grueling, which is why most people don't do it. If you have a career uh, like I do, like you do, you put it on hold. Uh, you don't make any money unless you're stealing. Uh, and uh, that's why most people don't do it. And if you're a conservative, right. of course, you have the media hating you because only about 3% of the media are registered Republicans. They despise mm-hmm. uh, Republicans. And so uh, you'll be treated unfairly. That's, these are all the reasons why most people don't do this. Regarding well, you know, the, Larry Elder, I, the reason they do that to you is because, I, as I understand it, the LA, uh, I have it on good authority from the L.A. Times that you are the <laughs> black face of white supremacy, sir. That's right. And, and Rich, don't laugh. I earned that title. I worked hard for it. So. <laughs> uh, regarding Vivek, uh, you know, I, I, I campaigned with all these guys. We, were, we did a lot of events together. And uh, when all of us spoke at the same event, three people got standing ovations, uh, Donald Trump, Vivek, and, and Larry Elder. And inevitably, uh, Rich, if I, if I had a nickel for every time this happened, I probably would still be in the race. They come up to me and they say, Larry, I really enjoyed your speech. You're very likable. You're charismatic. You talked about the epidemic of fatherlessness, which clearly is a major issue. You talked about how the uh, Democrats use this business about race uh, to put Republicans on the, on the defense and that we should be much more aggressive in refuting the narrative that America is systemically racist. You talked about the, the acute need for school choice in urban America. You talked about a need for an amendment to the Constitution so that spending is set at a percentage of our GDP. All these things are wonderful, Larry, but I'm going to vote for Trump. <laughs> because Trump did it. 
Uh, he right. did it before. He can do it again. Great speech, but I'm going to vote for Trump. So I knew that Trump was the guy. Uh, Iowans loved this guy. Uh, the only question was whether or not Donald Trump was going to get above 50 percent, which has never happened before uh, in a Republican caucus in, in Iowa. And, wh- and who's going to be number two? So we had a couple of surprises. Uh, I've never seen anybody sweep all 99 counties. That appears to be the case. There's a term in Iowa called the full grassy, referring to the senator uh, who visited all 99 counties and, and prides himself on doing that. So the line is, if you're serious about running, you need to do the full grassy, which, which is to go to all 99 counties. In fact, Vivek said he did a double grassy, went to all 99 counties twice. We need another term. When you win all 99 counties, what do you call that? A mega grassy? I don't know. We're going to call it, it a full like trumpito. All 99 counties. <laughs> And the other thing is, Vivek got around 8% or so rich. So the question is, where will that 8% go? They won't go to Haley. Uh, They won't go to to Ron DeSantis because, remember, uh, Vivek's theme was, I'm Donald Trump with fresh legs. I'm a a mega guy with fresh legs. So that 8% is going to go to Donald Trump, which will help him in New Hampshire. The question is, if Ron DeSantis is, is number two, which appears to be the case, that means he's overperformed in terms of expectations, and Nikki Haley has underperformed in terms of expectations. Yeah. So those two people are still going to be in the race, but some of the momentum that Nikki Haley thought she was going to get, I don't think it's going to be there. And I think part of it, Rich, is this. I don't know if you watched that debate between Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, but I did. And there was mm-hmm. a poll in the Daily Mail. Of those who watched it, and it's questionable how many people watched it, but of those who watched it, <laughs> they thought that DeSantis beat her pretty badly by almost 20 points. And so if some people saw that, I think that hurt her uh, in ways that a lot of the analysts were not looking at. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with you. Uh, I think uh, I'm looking at DeSantis in his speech tonight. And obviously, when you, when you have a win, and I, I don't know if he expected to, to win in second place tonight, but uh, he definitely had a, a fresh pep in his step uh, from he what did. I could see. And, uh, and, and he is a, a, a solid conservative, you know, if, if he were running against like you, right. If he wasn't running against Trump, he would have done so much, much better because, um, very, very solid candidate. Um, I think just n- not solid enough to, to go head to head with Trump. A- at least that's what the, the, the outcome of tonight's uh, caucuses reveal. Uh, I expect that to be the case in, in New Hampshire and South Carolina as well, but I could be wrong. What do you think? Well, I think you're right. I think he did have a, a pep in his step when he spoke tonight because he finished second, apparently, uh, and most of the pundits thought he was going to finish third, so he's exceeded expectations. But, you know, I, I spoke with him briefly, and, and you're right. I mean, on paper, what's not to like about Ron DeSantis? He's good-looking. He's young, uh, gorgeous yeah. wife, a cancer survivor, two young kids. Uh, he's a, military, a decorated military vet. Uh, he won his uh, election, uh, re-election in, in Florida by 20 points. He took Miami-Dade for, for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. He took on Disney. There's, what's not to like? There's a guy there, however, the 10,000-pound elephant in the room who's got he's dripping with charisma and as, as a whole on this party, unlike any I've ever seen, including Ronald Reagan, and that right. guy is named Donald J. Trump. Any right. other normal year, somebody like DeSantis uh, would have done quite well. He would have been a rock star. Down the road, he will. And he's still young, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. He would have been a rock star at any other time. And it makes me been. think, was it a miscalculation or was he just saying, hey, look, I'm going to put my name out there. Since I'm young, I could do it again later. I want to be in the running for, for 2028. Uh, I don't know. Um, that might have been the strategy, maybe not. 
Uh, I think for for some, they might have been like uh, they made sour on him because he went against. Yeah, him. I, I don't hold anything against him. I think he's a solid guy, and he and he's he's put his best foot forward. Just hard to put your best foot forward against. You know, if you're a radio guy, right? Let's just say I don't know Rush Limbaugh, Mark Levin, somebody like that. You know, I'm not gonna get into a pissing match with either of those titans, right? Uh, because you know they they earned their spot, and uh, I'm the new guy in the game. So I think sometimes you know that that type of thing uh, plays a role. Um, what say you? Well, Rich, I think that a lot of the candidates underestimated the 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 notion that, uh, as Nikki Haley says, chaos follows Donald Trump. They thought that uh, as this campaign evolved, as the indictments came in, uh, as the accusations came in, right. that people would go, you know, I've had it. I've had it with all the drama. It had the opposite effect. The more they piled up on Trump, the more people felt that this guy is being persecuted just because of who and what he is, as opposed to any legitimate legal reason to do this. And so it just made him even stronger. I think most of the candidates uh, underestimated that. And I think Ron DeSantis did as well. And plus, Rich, you got all these consultants breathing in your ear, telling you you're the guy, you're the guy, you're the guy, because you get paid right. to do that. Just to say uh, that. It, can, it, can, it, can, it can alter your point of view. And also... You know, you never know whether or not the stars are going to align. He won by 20 points uh, in Florida. He was the he was the the, the, the fair-haired boy for a little while. Uh, you never know whether or not uh, these kinds of events are going to come down the road on you again. I remember when Barack Obama was uh, was touted to run. He just barely knew where the bathroom was after getting elected to the U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hillary was the was the odds-on favorite to win, but so many people came up to him and said. Now's the time. Now's the time. Now's the time. And you never know whether or not four years, eight years, 12 years down the road, uh, you're going to have that same kind of opportunity. So I don't I don't uh, have any problem with with DeSantis running. Uh, He just underestimated the the mammoth, the Goliath he was running up against. Yeah. True. True words. Folks, we're on with Larry Elder, uh, former radio show host, 2024 Republican presidential candidate and the author of As Goes California, My Mission to Rescue the Golden State and Save the Nation. I recommend you buy two copies, one for yourself, one to give away. We're coming right back with Larry Elder. I want to get his thoughts on the legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, as he uh, oftentimes talks about fatherlessness, and that's uh, a problem that hasn't gone anywhere. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, amigos, we're moments away from Open Phone America where you get to call in and sound off on everything under the sun. But I want to wrap up with my man, Larry Elder. He's doing a phenomenal job with everything he's talking about. Larry Elder, uh, in the minutes we have remaining, I, I want to get your take on the departure from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's legacy. And uh, I want to make sure everybody has a chance to buy your book. So let them know the best place to get it. 
best place to get the book, Ask Goes California, is go to Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, regarding MLK, you're absolutely right. Uh, his vision, as you know, was for people to be evaluated based on content of character, not color of the skin. We've gone exactly the opposite in that direction. 1964, shortly after the passage of the Civil Rights Act, he gave a speech, uh, gave an interview on television, and he said, Things have changed so rapidly for the good in America. Why, in about 40 years' time, we could have a black president. Chris, he didn't say in 40 years' time we'll have black CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, and we have. He didn't say in 40 years' time there'll be black presidents of Ivy League universities, and Claudine Gay was not the first one. He didn't say in 40 years' time the mayors of the three biggest cities in, in uh, America, L.A., Chicago, New York, will be black, and they are. He didn't say we're going to have black senators, uh, black governors, uh, a black coach of Notre Dame, arguably the most storied basketball college uh, football program in America. He said president, meaning once that happens, we can now say to the fullest extent it's realistic. People are being evaluated based on content of character versus right. color of skin. For eight Amen. years, Obama played the race card, race card, race card, made things work. Larry Elder, got to leave it there. I love you, brother. Thank you. You're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Godspeed to you. Hope to talk to you again soon. Love you too. God bless. All right, folks, Open Phone America is coming up next. 8334-VALDEZ. Get your calls in. Lots to talk about tonight. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. the city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Welcome to the Monday night edition of the program. Special coverage of the Iowa caucuses and uh, commemorating the life and legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, today's the 95th anniversary of MLK's uh, birthday. And quite a, a mark he's left on American history, in my opinion. And it's, it's sad to see that we've made a, a departure from so much of what he's taught about uh, focusing on the content of one's character, not the color of their skin. Uh, moreover, he talked about living in something he described as the beloved community where people treated each other as beloved, right, with love. And that's sadly just not the case today. We've really seen a real departure from that. And I can honestly say, I don't know that we were any closer um, back in the days when he was alive, but I think we did make it a little bit closer after his death. And we've uh, kind of, you know, uh, did an about face on that now. And we're probably more ruthless now than, than we have been in recent years. Uh, but I don't want to be too hyperbolic about that, but I do want to talk about the life and legacy of Dr. King. Uh, we had some, Excellent conversations tonight. If you missed any portion of them, go check them out at richvaldezamericaatnight.com, richvaldezamericaatnight.com. And 
I want to um, just recap a little bit about what's going on in the Iowa caucuses. If you're just tuning in and some of our affiliates that are across the country, they only carry the third hour. Uh, welcome to the program. And yes, uh, Donaldus Magnus El Trompito, the 45th president of these United States, uh, El Presidente, Donald J. Trump, has um, come in first place in the Iowa caucuses, winning a, a historic victory, a huge win, a win that I think a lot of people didn't see coming. Um I, I know I, I expected him to come in first place, but I did not think he was going to take 51 percent. I didn't know the number was going to be that high. Uh, in yeah. fact, uh, we were talking with his pollster, John McLaughlin, about uh, uh, an hour or two ago, and he was saying how the the biggest record uh, to date was 12 percent. Uh, candidate Bob Dole had gotten that in 1988, and that was the record, um, the highest uh, percentage in a Republican Iowa caucus. And voila, here's El Trumpito coming through with 51%, according to the uh, Washington Times, excuse me, the uh, New York Times. And um, they they called it for him, I think, at 4% of the votes in. He had enough votes uh, by, by the standard of which many networks said, you know what, we're going to call it as the projected winner being Donald Trump because he's just got... He's head and shoulders above the rest of the crowd. So uh, a truly historic blowout landslide victory in uh, the Iowa caucus for Donald Trump. And some other news, big news, right? I think this was a big uh, surprise. I think a lot of people are expecting Haley to come in second place, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley. But in fact, she didn't. She came in third. Who came in second? Of course, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, coming in second place, very uh, energized with lots of vigor. Uh, he, he gave his his second place victory speech as if he'd won the presidency. <laughs> I, I love the energy that he brought to the table. It was really interesting. And somebody else who always brings a remarkable amount of energy, and and I've had him on this program. I've given him the, the toughest questions that I could come up with uh, because I think he's a really smooth talker, and I like a lot of what he's saying. Don't agree with everything all the time, but uh, I think he's a, a fantastic communicator. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy and uh, Vivek came out there in fourth place, getting 8% of the vote and suspending his campaign. Now we have some audio from El Trompito and from Vivek and, um, and we have some others that we'll play for you a little bit later in the evening, but I want to start off with some audio of Trump uh, uh, greeting the crowd and uh, thanking his supporters and talking about unifying the country. I think this is time now for everybody, our country, to come together. We want to come together, uh, whether it's Republican or Democrat or liberal or conservative. It would be so nice if we could come together and straighten out the world and straighten out the problems and straighten out all of the death and destruction that we're witnessing. It's practically never been like this. It's uh, just so important. And I want to make that a very big part of our message. We're going to come together. It's going to happen soon, too. It's going to happen soon. I want to thank uh, some of the great people. We have so many senators, and I go through every name, we'll be here all night, and everybody's going to get angry at me. <laughs> but the senators, the congressmen from Washington, they came down from all different states. I want to thank you very much. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a, good, a good time together. We're all having a good time together. <laughs> I think they both actually did very well. I really do. I think they both did very well. We don't even know what the outcome of second place is. And uh, I see 
Carrie Lake, congratulations, Carrie. Senator, a great senator, I predict, right? Going to be a great senator. And uh, I also want to congratulate Vivek because he did a hell of a job. He came from uh, zero and he's uh, got a big percent, probably 8%, almost 8%, and that's a, an amazing job. They all did. They're all very smart, very smart people, very capable people. I think most importantly, I want to thank my incredible wife, uh, First Lady. And of course, President Trump thanks his wife, former First Lady Melania Trump, uh, and gives some remarks about the passing of her mother, God rest her soul. And I thought it was a, a great, uh, very presidential speech, right? People always say, oh, he's not presidential. Uh, I think he was incredibly uh, gracious when he said we should be unifying the country. He thanked all of his opponents in, in a very cheerful demeanor, uh, demeanor and a nice manner. And um, Trump seems to be killing it right now. He is crushing it. Good for El Trumpito. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy had some big news that he announced that he's pulling out of the race. Listen to this. As I've said since the beginning, there are two America First candidates in this race. And earlier tonight, I called Donald Trump to tell him that I congratulated him on his victory. And now going forward, he will have my full endorsement for the presidency. And I think we're going to do the right thing for this country. So that's Vivek Ramaswamy throwing all of his support behind Donald Trump uh, for the 2024 race. And, of course, uh, Nikki Haley giving her words, and she's not going anywhere for now. Ron DeSantis, like I said, coming through as if he had a new pair of shoes with a lot of swag. And uh, we'll get you that audio in a little bit as we come back. But I want to invite you to call in. I know there's a few people hanging on. We've got calls from across the country, Ohio, North Carolina, as well as New York, and more to come. West Coast, where are you at? Give me a call, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Valdez. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America. Welcome back, amigos. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, your calls are welcome. We're about to get to you in a moment. But I wanted you to hear from Ron DeSantis, who came in second tonight. And he was gave, he gave his victory speech uh, citing the the band of brothers and uh, the the sacred fire of liberty listen to this that was on the beaches of normandy in 1944 when our band of brothers stormed those shores and helped free the world the same sacred fire of liberty that was at the berlin wall in 1987 when ronald reagan stood there and said mr gorbachev tear down this wall this is our responsibility to carry this torch and to preserve this sacred fire of liberty. 
Don't run away from this responsibility. We welcome this responsibility. We thank you for your effort. We thank you for your support. You helped us get a ticket punched out of the Hawkeye State. We have a lot of work to do, but I can tell you this, as the next President of the United States, I am going to get the job done for this country. I am not. I am not going to make any excuses, and I guarantee you this. I will not let you down. Thank you all. God bless you. Thank you so much. That's uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. Governor Ron DeSantis giving his, uh, again, victory speech, coming in second place behind Donald Trump, who came in a whopping first place with 51% of the vote. DeSantis, I think, is around 20% of the vote, uh, maybe 21%. I haven't looked at the numbers in in about about, uh, 40 minutes. But either way... um, he wasn't expected to come in second place, right? I think people were counting him out. And I, it was always a place to get noticed and, uh, and to keep it a competitive race. So uh, Trump, again, historic victory, blowout DeSantis with an upset coming in ahead of Nikki Haley, who had been uh, kind of ahead of him in many polls in recent weeks. So uh, that was um, not, not something I think a lot of people saw coming. And I want to get your reactions from from everything we've been talking about tonight, whether it's the legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, the Iowa caucuses, and everything else we've talked about with our guests this evening. Let's uh, hit the phones. Let's go to John in, um, I'm sorry, not John, Matt. Matt in Moorhead City, North Carolina, listening on WKKF. Matt, go right ahead. Hey, hello, Rex. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, brother. How are you? My important point is this, Rick. I couldn't be happier that Trump won the Iowa. Didn't anybody? There's no money to donate. I tried to donate to the IRA. Guess what? I called him back and said, Did Donald Trump get my money? It's the last election. He said, We don't know. So, well, I donated $25. I got to send me $25 worth of Trump stickers. Guess what? They did. Oh, nice. But earlier, well, they still don't know if Trump got my money, so I guess I got it back to the stickers. Here's the important point. <laughs> Earlier, the national radio host, we, we mentioned him, I'll give you a hint, he worked for Donald Trump in the White House. He said, is Trump going to win, do you think, by 30, 40, 50 more points? So I said to him, at least 30. And um, I'll never sue me for saying this. He put it on national radio. But, um, you know, so happy he won at, by 51 points. I heard it at the 9 o'clock news break. I had to call you. I'm listening to your show anyway. And we yeah. add to that fact, my friend down the street, he's a Vietnam vet, 80 years right. old. He said, look, I'm on hold. I got on the radio. Turn on the talk station. I said, I'm turning it on right now. I could be happy that Trump won either. Nah. In addition, I have thousands of personal friends. I asked them who they vote for. They said, Matt, you don't have to ask me that. You know who I voted for. You're insulting me. I would ask you again. I got good, good. And millions of radio listeners. I never heard one that voted for Joe Biden. And yeah. one more thing for humor at the end. It's too different. It's an, it can be idiot that's not a Democrat. But a Democrat's an idiot by definition. Why? Because Joe hmm. Biden's destroying this country. The only way to save it is Donald Trump. What do you say you? Uh, thank you, Matt. Well, listen, I, I think Trump is obviously the, the best candidate uh, out there, 
to bring America back to where we were when he was in office. And, and I think that's a big part of uh, how we, we start winning again is getting back to the pre-COVID spending levels, getting back to kind of like life pre-COVID, right? Um, I saw a funny, um, a funny social media post the other day that said, um, I really missed the days where I could scroll through my screen and read a bunch of mean tweets from Donald Trump and uh, haggle over whether I was going to pay two and a half percent or two and a quarter percent for my next mortgage. And and uh, of course, no more wars, no new wars. And, and I thought, you know, what an accurate depiction of, of life. Right. Uh, while, of course, they're cherry picking things. Granted, uh, none of those things are available today. Right. We don't get to see the mean tweets anymore. We don't get to we don't get to uh, debate over uh, how low interest rates are going to be on mortgages and and of course, uh, there's plenty of new conflicts going on with the United States now getting into Yemen and, and a, another U.S. ship being hit today. So um, a U.S. owned ship. I got to tell you, um, all of those things, I think most people are looking at that and they're saying we um, we miss Trump. And earlier we were on with John McLaughlin and he uh, mentioned, um, you know, his heritage from the Bronx and whatever. And we were talking about a TV show that we did on Newsmax TV not too long ago where um uh, a friend and colleague of ours, Cara Castronova, was doing a man on the street interview on Fordham Road in the Bronx and interviewed a bunch of people. And I played that audio on this program a couple of times. But uh, the, the, the moral of the story, right, the gist of it is that she interviews uh, a handful of people and every last one of them is a, a black or Hispanic person in the Bronx, Fordham Road in New York City. And all of a sudden, uh, not, not a single one of them says that they support Biden. When this is a 87 percent Democrat leaning district uh, in the Bronx. So uh, I think that's pretty remarkable to see that these people are saying bring back Trump. Uh, Joe Biden sucks. F Joe Biden. I mean, really just um, really eye opening to see the response. One woman said, no, 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 no. Uh, bring back Trump because I'm paying about five hundred dollars every time I go to the grocery uh, to the supermarket. And, uh, you know, that's not acceptable. So I think that was pretty, pretty eye opening to see that that was happening. And there's talk about Trump doing a a rally in the Bronx, potentially um, in Yankee Stadium. I mean, these are just things I'd, I'd never seen in my lifetime. Uh, uh, President Reagan launching his campaign in Jersey City, New Jersey, with the Statue of Liberty, you know, almost like a stone's throw away over his shoulder. That was pretty cool and very unique and really big. Uh, but uh, Trump doing a rally in New York City in the Bronx at Yankee Stadium would just be iconic, right? It would be so historic. But we'll see if that actually happens. Uh, I want to get to the rest of your calls. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Matt on WTKF uh, near Moorhead City, North Carolina, about 80 miles north of Moorhead City, if I'm not mistaken. Matt, I appreciate your call. And uh, straight ahead, we're going to get to a couple of more calls. Uh, We got calls from Iowa. We're going to get some reaction from people on the ground in Iowa, as well as Ohio and New York. And we're going to do that momentarily. Not enough time for me to go to somebody right now, but definitely enough time uh, to remind you that we are uh, also discussing the legacy, the life of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And something that's interesting about MLK Day, you may or may not know, back in 20. I guess 2011, and it, we it, we came through in 2012. But uh, I had joined a group of about five other folks. Uh, one guy was the mayor of Cranford, New Jersey. Another, uh, our consultant on this project was the former 
not Secretary of Education, but Commissioner of Education in the state of New Jersey, Brett Schundler, and uh, and, and a few other people, the, the head of the the gasoline convenience store lobby, and a number of other people. Again, uh, a handful of other people because there's only five of us in the beginning. Uh, but we started a charter school in Jersey City, New Jersey, um, called the Beloved Community Charter School. And the idea of the beloved community and the namesake of this school comes from a philosophy that was preached by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. So I'm going to talk about that when we come back as well. And, of course, your calls. So don't go anywhere. If you're on hold, we're coming your way momentarily. If you're trying to get in, just keep trying. There will be an open line momentarily. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ is the number. Of course, I'm going to check out your comments on social media as well. At Rich Valdez with an S. Don't go anywhere. 833-4-VALDEZ. I am Rich Valdez, and we're coming right back. Mr. Call Screener, who is a budding radio star, by the way. Richie Valdez is terrific. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, we're live uh, as we are every evening on stations from one side of this country to the other. And the phone number, if you want to join us, is 833-4-VALDEZ. Uh, we're going to get to your calls momentarily, but uh, we're talking about the Iowa caucuses and uh, other things that we discussed with our guest tonight, the legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And I was uh, before the break, I was sharing about the charter school that I had the privilege of uh, being a founder of. And it's called the Beloved Community Charter School. It's in uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. And the idea of the beloved community is something I just want to share with you quickly. And this is uh, um, an excerpt from Martin Luther King's family's website, the kingcenter.org. The beloved community is a term that was first coined in the early days of the 20th century by a philosopher and theologian, Josiah Royce. He founded uh, the Fellowship of Reconciliation. However, it was uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was also a member of the Fellowship of Reconciliation, who popularized the term and invested it with a deeper meaning, which has captured the imagination and goodwill of people all over the world. Now, for Dr. King, the beloved community was not a lofty utopian goal to be confused with the rapturous image of the peaceable kingdom in which lions and lambs coexist in idyllic harmony. Rather, the beloved community was for him a realistic, achievable goal that could be attained by a critical mass of people committed and trained to the philosophy and methods of nonviolence. Peace, in other words, right? Now, Dr. King's beloved community is a global vision in which all people can share in the wealth of the earth. In the beloved community, I know some of this sounds kind of um, collectivist, but stay, stay with me. In the beloved community... Poverty, hunger, and homelessness will not be tolerated because international standards of human decency will not allow it. Racism and all forms of discrimination, bigotry, and prejudice will be replaced by an all-inclusive spirit of sisterhood and brotherhood. In the beloved community, international disputes are resolved 
by peaceful conflict resolution and reconciliation of adversaries instead of military power. Love and trust will triumph over fear and hatred. Peace and justice will prevail over war and military conflict. Dr. King's beloved community was not devoid of interpersonal group or, in, or international conflict. Instead, he recognized that conflict was an inevitable part of the human experience, but he believed that conflicts could be resolved peacefully and adversaries could be reconciled through mutual and determined commitment to nonviolence. No conflict, he believed, needed to erupt in violence. All conflicts in the beloved community should end with reconciliation of adversaries cooperating together in a spirit of friendship and goodwill, right? And, and ultimately, King believed that it's reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. It's this spirit and this love that can transform opponents into friends. It's this type of understanding goodwill that will transform the deep gloom of the old age into the exuberant gladness of a new age. It's this love which will bring about miracles in the hearts of men. That's a quote from King. And while, listen, I don't believe a lot of that stuff's achievable, he did. And, and, and it was a basis for something that I think, while I, I may not uh, agree with all of it, I don't like international standards and all these things, I do agree that they're universal truths, kind of like the Ten Commandments, right? That's an international standard I can live with. You know, don't murder, don't steal. Right. These are these are universal truths. And I think a lot of this love your neighbor uh, idea is a universal truth. We should. I know there's always somebody out there saying, but what if your neighbor says, what if your neighbor wants that? What if you all right? What if what if what if? But I think the what ifs are few and far between. And the majority of people do want to do the right thing. And and it's that part of um, of King's message where I chew the meat and spit out the bones that I really uh, I, I, I feel was was great, right? And I gravitate towards that. And I feel that we've kind of lost a lot of that today. So I want to get your opinions and thoughts on this. Our phone number again, 833-482-5337. Let's go to the middle of the country to Ohio, Lorraine, Ohio, to be exact. Let's check in with John. He's listening to KDKA. John, go right ahead. Yes, uh, I think there's some things that have been really, uh, we've been uh, deliberately deprived of about uh, Martin MLK's uh, a powerful vision. And uh, it's contained in a speech, a speech that he gave in Harlem called uh, MLK's Beyond Vietnam speech. And it was a powerful condemnation of the U.S. carpet bombing of Vietnam uh, the, the ruination of our economy by spending uh, uh, hundreds of billions of dollars for militarism and war. He said that this is a direct uh, robbing of the poor and needy in our country. He uh, he condemned uh, the United States uh, uh, alliances with some of the most uh, right-wing fascist regimes of the wealthy around the world in supporting them and arming them. And uh, this is in a, in a speech that's in print and on tape, but we never hear it. It's totally blocked by all of the uh, corporate establishment media in this country. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll people... share something with you, John. What's interesting is that the reason I haven't played any audio from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, any, not even I have a dream, uh, you'll notice a lot of radio stations are not playing any of these things, and the audio is available, is because it's copyright protected. And every year, the King Center... Um, literally has their lawyers send out cease and desist letters 
so that any excerpts of these speeches are not used. Um, so that's the reason I can tell you that we are not using any of those clips from any of these speeches. But um, I've got the transcript of, of the speech you're talking about um, in front of me. And yeah, King was a real social justice warrior in many ways, right? He, he really spoke about, um, he was very anti-war. Um, he was against the military industrial complex. And today there are still people like that. You know, you've got people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's very much into that. Um, Bernie Sanders. Uh, I'm a little bit of a war hawk, if I'm being honest. Uh, I don't want to see war, but I realize that it, it's important to carry that big stick and uh, to do so quietly, but to carry it nonetheless, that I think is important for, for our country and to maintain our, our strategic position. I think when uh, you are quiet and don't get involved in any type of international conflict, um, you lose your position of leadership. And I think we're witnessing that with Joe Biden. And that's why we're seeing so much unrest in the world because they now realize, hey, look, if the United States isn't going to get involved, then we can go ahead and shoot ships and and uh, do what we want with anybody we want, whether it's the Strait of Hormuz or or the Red Sea or, or the South China Sea or anywhere else we're seeing conflict, you know, um, it, with Russia and Ukraine, um, Hamas and Israel, uh, the constant uh, saber rattling with Taiwan. We see this stuff all over the place, what's going on in Yemen and Iran constantly provoking us with their aggression. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. And, and I appreciate you bringing this to the table because this is a very uh, anti-war speech, April 4th, 1967. And uh, as you accurately pointed out, it's called Beyond Vietnam. The transcript's available online. And he was clear. He says that uh, war's deleterious effects on both America's poor and Vietnamese peasants. And he insisted that it was morally imperative for the United States to take radical steps to stop the war through nonviolent means. And uh, I can tell you, look, I'm, I'm not looking for war with, for anybody, with anybody. But I do realize, at least I believe, my, it's my belief, that sometimes it's inevitable. Sometimes you've got to fight. And that's just how it goes. John from Lorain, Ohio, thank you for your call. I appreciate you listening on KDKA. We're going to continue with the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. with an S. You can't do it unless you have a faith. And God is so good. Of course, that's Nikki Haley giving her victory speech, thanking all of the members of her family and her staff and and Iowans for um, voting her in uh, number three, third place. And uh, quick, quick aside, the other day somebody sent me a message on Facebook. I don't get a chance to get back to everybody, but 
they were saying, would you even consider having Nikki Haley on the show? I I'm pretty sure I've had Nikki Haley on this show before. And if I didn't, I I've had her on a different show. Um, but, uh, I like Nikki Haley. I think she's, she's a nice person. I may not agree with, uh, all of her positions in this particular race, but, uh, what I can say is, um, every candidate has been given an opportunity to come on this show. Um, some have accepted, some have not. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm not egotistical in any way. That's a lie. I am, but not with this in, in this particular regard. Uh, if the Haley people called tomorrow, the DeSantis people, anybody else who hasn't had a chance to come on, uh, go right ahead. Um, we're here. Uh, the people want to hear from you. Uh, we've had, we've had, I think we had Ryan Blinkley on this show or Binkley. Uh, we've had, uh, Perry Johnson, uh, some of the, the candidates who never made the debate stage. And uh, we've also had, uh, Donald Trump and Larry Elder and Vivek Ramaswamy. So th there's, there's no, uh, discrimination here. Big campaign, small campaign, whomever you are, you want to come on this program and talk to the listeners. Um, estimated around five and a half million. Go right ahead. It's, uh, it's my honor to have you. I'd love to have the conversation with you. But for any listeners who are out there thinking that I'm cherry picking any of the people running in the Republican primary, I'm not I'm happy to talk to them. It's kind of what we do here, right? Just like uh, people that disagree with me get to the, to the first spot to call in. Um, same way. I, I'm happy to talk with any of these candidates. So that was just a quick aside. And um, Mike Huckabee, was um, giving some commentary on Newsmax TV earlier, giving his reaction to Donald Trump winning this historic victory. Listen to this. Well, it's it's pretty shocking. I mean, within a few minutes, everybody was sort of uh, saying it's over. Donald Trump is going to win. It's not just that he won, but he has won with a margin that is unlike any in the history of the Iowa caucuses. Nobody has ever won with a greater advantage than 12%. Donald Trump is going to end up uh, not only having more numbers than all of the other people put together. But if you take everything that you've been watching in Iowa, uh, people kept talking about it's going to be close. DeSantis is going to be a close second. As it's turned out, none of that happened. This has been a blowout. That's former Governor Mike Huckabee, who also ran for president in Iowa and won. And that is the music. A little early, I'd say. Now, Let's go to the call. Steve from Keokuk, Iowa, WCEZ. Steve, you're on with Rich Valdez. Hi, Rich. I love your show. Watch it all the time, or listen to it all the time. Um, Thank you, sir. Yeah, um, my, yeah my, my comment is about Donald Trump. I totally agree. He's our best candidate, and he has a real obligation to his country to fix the big problem that he caused unintentionally. What's that? And what that is, well... If, uh, if you look into your history books in Europe and in Asia or anywhere, in any landmass where there's been a wall built, what occurs is that wall remains. And then eventually they're invaded from the other side, and then that wall comes down. And the powers to be always falls within the side that invaded first, the, the side that built the wall. Now, if we look at what's currently happening, Joe, um, Donald Trump might have built the wall. But Joe Biden not only allowed to what happened, he sped up. He's in, he's rushing him in. You know, yeah. usually what takes years to occur is happen within a few, within three. You know, right? Well, look, look, uh, listen. I, I think you're on to something, Steve. I'll say this: I I think that there are a lot of things. I'm I'm a big believer in being a student of history. 
and looking back into history because, you know, those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it, right? Uh, it's a famous adage. Uh, but I will say this. Uh, the United States, in my opinion, is unique and remarkable. And the reason it is is because while we are one of the youngest countries overall, right, M most uh, uh, countries um, outdate us by hundreds of years, the, we're also the oldest constitutional republic, right? And, and it's an interesting place to be where you're so young yet so experienced because of being a constitutional republic and having lasted as long as we have. Now, I don't know that we can take every lesson in history and compare them to us because we are so unique. Um, I don't think building a wall at the southern border, uh, which is more like a fence in open areas, you know, where it's either desert or, or um, yeah, it's mostly like desert or, or just a dry, um, dry area that leads to the Rio Grande. Um, I don't know that that is, is a mistake per se. Um, this is not necessarily like the walls of Jericho, uh, but I, I get your point, and I think it's a valid one in that we, we need to look back and, and make sure we don't repeat the mistakes that we've seen in history. Uh, I also agree that Joe Biden is exacerbating a problem that already existed, and Donald Trump in many ways curtailed, right? He really, uh, we had the safest border in, in my lifetime and with the least amount of traffic uh, during the Trump years and even going into COVID. And it wasn't until Trump was out and Biden was in that we saw this massive influx. And once Biden was really in, I mean, it's like they've opened up the floodgates and they're like, no, 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 come one, come all. We're going to make an app for you. We're not going to send anybody anywhere. Matter of fact, when you get here, we're just going to ask you where you want to go. Florida, New York, we'll put you on a bus. We'll get you in. If we can't put you on a bus, we'll put you on a plane that lands in the middle of the night. And we've seen all of it happen. We've seen them shipped to Philly. We've seen these people shipped to Westchester, New York. And we've seen DeSantis send people back out on a bus. We've seen Abbott sending people back out, sending them to New York City, sending them to Martha's Vineyard. So, I mean, we've seen so much happen. Uh, I can't uh, agree with Trump creating the immigration problem. I think it was already a problem that he helped to resolve. And Biden's the one that really made it worse than it was. We've seen record highs. Uh, something like 10, 11,000 people a day in unheard of numbers. So uh, all that being said, Biden is a disaster. Biden's policies are a disaster. Mayorkas is an absolute failure. And and these guys, you know, depending on who you talk to, some people might say they're, they're traitors. This is treason to this country. They're p participating and supporting an invasion into the United States. The Texas National Guard's been activated uh, under that premise where they're saying that they're being invaded and that the federal government is failing to protect them during an invasion. And that's why they're using the National Guard. We'll see how that ends up. I have a feeling they'll probably lose that one. But if they do win, that would probably fix our immigration problem. Either way, Steve, thank you for the call. Big shout out to you in Iowa, WCEZ. Coming right back to the rest of your calls and more. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's the speed round. Let's go to Zanesville, Ohio, W-H-I-Z. Check in with my guy, Paul. Go right ahead. 
Okay, good evening, Rich. Yeah, Rich, I seen you on Wendy Bell this past weekend on Newsmax, and uh, the guy, the host of Eat, Drink, and Smoke, asked you about your watch on the on the one arm. Well, you showed him your watch, and then you shot up your tat. Okay, and- <laughs> you know, I, I confused my arms. I usually wear my watch on my left hand, uh, like most people, but I had it on my right hand because I uh, I just gotten some of that ink. And, uh, and that was what it was. And it gave me a chance to show off the new ink. It was the Statue of Liberty with a big microphone and headphones behind it and the American flag in the background. Why not, right? Yes, sir. And I seen the collar in it, but I just caught a real quick glimpse of it because it was quick. But, you know, I just love what happened for Trump tonight. I hope this is like a prerequisite for maybe what may come in the future here. And congratulations to Donald Trump. Oh, thank you, Paul. And uh, thanks for your kind words on my uh, my body art and my and my watch. And uh, I'll post a video of that uh, from Newsmax over the weekend on my social media. Paul, big shout out to you and WHIZ. Uh, let's see. Do we have time? We're going to squeeze it in. Jane, you got less than 30 seconds. Go right ahead. I know. I know. Okay. Last week before you signed off, there was a horrible man who went on with you. And he was one of the rudest people. And you sounded concerned after you had to talk to him. Please know you are the best out there and do not doubt yourself, okay? Oh, thank you. I don't remember that interaction. I can't believe that it didn't happen. But we'll talk more about it, and I'll try and find it to, to refresh my memory. Thank you, America. God bless you. Hasta mañana. Don't go anywhere. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.